Stay for a reason. Uh, a couple of really good shooters and uh, play together. You know, we tried to prepare. We had to buy this week. I was a little worried about how we'd come out, but we had a lot of energy. We were rested. We had a couple of loose days of practice, and then we really started to focus and uh, had a good, good couple of practices, which I felt good going into tonight. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Courtside. Joe Morelli, Joe Morelli, of course, the head boys basketball beat writer for Game Time CT in the Hearth Connecticut Media Group. And at the top of the show, you heard from, well, Staples has gone down. Staples, the last undefeated team in the FCAC, has lost. They uh, were without Jake Thaw, and Trumbull took care of business last Friday night to end Staples' unbeaten season. And you heard a little bit there from head coach Buddy Bray of Trumbull and Malik Green. And uh, I don't know what to tell you about the FCAC, but that's what you heard at the top of the show. The FCAC is pretty wild. Joseph, hello. How you doing? Pretty interesting, interesting week. You also had East Catholic up at uh, the Hoopal Classic, beating Archbishop Stepanak of New York, which opened a few eyes uh, across the state of Connecticut. And you also had Windsor surviving East Hartford in overtime. The, you know, Corey McKeithen had a great game. And the number two team wins a big game heading into the, this last final week before that showdown on Tuesday, next Tuesday. All right, good morning. Good morning. Um, as, as we wrote about, and you can read a beginning of all of this on Game Time CT, the poll, the notes, all kinds of stuff we're going to talk about during the show. And we're going to have uh, Albertus Magnus Division Three coach Mitch Oliver is going to join us. I mean, he does a lot of recruiting in the state. He has a number of kids on his roster, and uh, so we're going to talk to him in the next segment. Um, one of the notes, minor one, was as the FCAC turns. I mean, you can spin the wheel. It's it's kind of like uh, you really don't know what to expect. I mean, Colin Devine talked about it last week, and when we talked, I talked to him in the notes. You got to win on the road. Well, you, you go to the road. You without your point guard Jake Thaw, you get punched in the mouth. I mean. It, Trouble was up, what, 17, 18, nothing. I mean, Staples did pretty well, uh, understandably, without their leader, but Trumbull wins. And obviously, they're a team, despite their losses from last year, is still competitive and a contender in the FCAC. And Staples dropped out. And Northwest Catholic is your new team in. And their only losses to East Catholic. Um, speaking- Very interesting. There's no FCAC teams in the top 10. Well, I Which mean, well, kind of crazy. Yeah, but. we had Danbury, we've had Trinity Catholic, we've had uh, Staples, but unfortunately, they keep beating up on each other. So right now, maybe there's a team that really deserves to be in the top ten. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, would FCAC, you would you have voted for a team? That's no, no I don't see any team right now in the FCAC that's uh, yeah, worthy of getting in. I mean, there. maybe I mean, Staples if you take into consideration the point guard, but again, it's all subjective. Um, and obviously, and, and then hey, listen, look at this way. One of the games I mentioned for games to watch, I mean, it's not a great week of games because next week's the big week. Next Monday, it's in the next Monday, but but we won't have the show until the next. New Canaan and Ludlow play each other next Monday. I mean, it's a very good possibility. One of them can drop out of the race with a loss. And they're both teams who've, receiving bo- who've been receiving both. So, uh, and Ludlow beat Bassick, and, and they won the Fairfield Holiday Tournament. It's, it's, that shows you how tough it's going to be in that conference I, I don't think there's a clear favor. I mean, Trinity Catholic, who we touted, yeah. is 4-4, four and 4-5. Four, four and five. Yeah. They got drilled by Long Island Lutheran, who I'm sure a lot of teams would have, but they've also lost a couple of games in the FCAC. So, again, it's hard to really figure out who it is. I honestly don't know. Well, let's take a quick uh, look at the top 10. East, right. East Catholic with its 70-52 to 52 victory over Archbishop Stepanak. You had Luke Stroll going off for 24 points, including six three-pointers to get the game's MVP. And he also had 10 rebounds. And then Matt Noling, the Yale commit, to, he uh, 
kind of a little bit of a back seat with 26 points, eight rebounds, and five assists. Maybe they could have had co-MVPs, but those six three-pointers, I guess, were daggers. They jumped out to a huge lead. and you 17 know, points to start the game, and with, I, I know um, Stepanak was without their – best player the kid going to do yeah aj griffin he's uh the brother is that the, is that the brother or the son of the kid who used to play seton hall is there any relation that uh, great question i don't know <laughs> there's, a, there's a griffin somewhere that's son of the former kid at the guy seton hall I, don't know if, I think that's the kid okay east catholic is solidified as the number one team in right. the state all first place votes but one undefeated and as a uh, people have mentioned they haven't lost a regular season game since 2000, December of 2016. Yeah. That's a long time. That's over three years. That's, inc- and that's really a, you incredible. Know, regardless of whether, I mean, I look, I, I kind of give it a little bit of an asterisk if A.J. Griffin didn't play. I mean, Stepanak was 21st in the ESPN's national high school rankings. Yes. And so, you know, I, I'm sure that they're 21st because he plays, and if he doesn't play, you know, it may be a lot different. I don't know a whole heck of a lot about him. But still, that's an impressive win by East Catholic. It's kind of a warning shot across the bow at Windsor before that game. Uh, yeah, you know, tips off. You know, in a week. I can't believe that that's almost here. But uh, you know, and then meanwhile, you have Windsor up up there. East Hartford getting a scare. They had to go to overtime to to win that game. Well, that's three scares now in in state. Yeah, they had Middletown, Hill House. Hill and now East Hartford. And I, I saw Middletown lost uh, the other day as well. So. To Glastonbury, who lost yesterday to Windsor right. um, up at Windsor. So January. I don't know how. I mean, to me, it looks like there's a pretty big gap between East Catholic and everybody else. I mean, we, uh, we, we kind of talked about it last week a little bit. Uh, I, I'll it reserve are, judgment until after next Tuesday. But that's what that, that victory kind of signaled to me that, hmm, you know what? Maybe East Catholic is legit. Well, uh, they not like last have, year. No, two of right, but but it was close between those two teams last year. So they have lost the four stars and knowing's back. But guys like we talked about have come off the bench to you know fill those roles. And yeah, you go into the Hoop Hall Classic, you take the event, and you win regardless of who's there. It says something. That yeah. is correct. And uh, and now listen, Windsor hosts the game next Tuesday night. It's gonna be a sellout. Oh my god. And I will tell you, if East Catholic wins that game, yeah, they're ahead. well because it means they don't because then then Sacred Heart and everybody else is behind them. Yeah, right now East Catholic with 18 first place votes, they've got the lion's share with well, like one said, outlier. Yes, one, one outlier. outlier. It's not me. <laughs> not me. I don't vote. But right. one outlier went with Windsor at number one, so it's almost a consensus. Not quite. So yeah, I right. I, I saw that, some yeah. people on Twitter going, "Wait a second! How do you not vote East Catholic number one?" It's a fair question. After that, it's a really well, fair people are question. allowed to. Absolutely. People who kept him Windsor one, they didn't lose. I mean, I dropped him after I dropped him in Florida. I had him preseason number one. And I dropped him after the Florida game because at the time I thought, well, if he had lost one game, we had discussed this in the first show. They lost, and, but they lost three. Three and, first uh, place votes. You know, I just as we saw against Hill House, they didn't play. They're not playing great together. Primo Spears yesterday wasn't very good against Glassberg. He was in foul trouble, and it was Corey McKeithen who bailed him out. So the thing about having those two guys, somebody have somebody to bail each other out if yeah. one's struggling. I think, still think they may have more pieces, experienced pieces than East Catholic, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they, they're going, I know they're going to be, we already talked to Primo Spears a little bit about it after they beat Hill House. I know they're going to be fired up, and I know it's going to be a great game. Um, I'm anxious to see just how, I mean, East Catholic goes in there and blows Windsor's doors off. Uh, in their own building, then we got something to talk well, about. Well, the interesting, the other thing is, too, is as we go through this poll, we have another top ten matchup the same night. Oh yeah, Notre Dame and Wilbur Cross. Oh, assuming that they, assuming Cross and Notre Dame went out this week, Notre Dame's got West Haven. Cross you the know. West Haven rematch. Yes, and uh, and but they they smoke Notre Dame. Well, we'll get that in a second. Number three, obviously, is Sacred Heart. So we have the top two. Number one, number two. You can't ask for anything better. Going, I mean, they're going to be number. Well, I unless they lose. They're going to be – it looks like they're going to be 1-2 heading into that game. I mean, we got one more poll left. Well, here's the thing now. Look at the, look at the points. Windsor lost points. They were 10-12 ahead of Sacred Heart. It's down, right. down to 2. Now it's down to they 2. They struggle again. Or Sacred Heart really impresses somebody. So let's just say Windsor, the guy who voted 1, mm-hmm. 
switches the vote. Switches the vote. And it's, that's, that's, that's automatic two points. It's a tie. Yeah. Like it was a couple weeks ago. So, you, you, we listen, as fans, you want a one-two matchup. Just I like with football, you, you, that, that's what you want. We have a girls one-two matchup coming up this week, too. How about that? That'd be great. Girls one-two matchup. I think it's Thursday or Friday. Yeah, it's Thursday. Between Notre, Notre Dame and uh, Newtown. Um, and right. girls, and then right after that, how many times did that happen? And then, then right after that, you have the boys one versus two right. going on uh, over at Windsor. That should be fascinating. So it's a really big week in basketball here going up. But as you mentioned about Sacred Heart, they're number three. They're, they're only two points behind Windsor. You have Lorenzo Washington kind of doing what he does, which is about score 30 points every which yep. way he can. Right. Uh, they, they beat Derby. That's not like a, a massive thing. They're still undefeated. They had number four. You had Zach Lappett. Doing, he scored 64 points. I believe it's pronounced Laput. Okay. I believe. This, I'm just, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not trying to. Because I miss, I, McKeithy, McKeithy, remember, I McKeithy. mispronounced his right. name. Right. So it, I think you can go either way, but yeah, well, how fast. <laughs> but, uh, but Notre Dame's uh, undefeated. He scored 64 points in two games against Amity. And, uh, you know, we saw Amity knock off Wilbur Cross the other day. So that's not, that's not too shabby. They, they smoked the Spartans 82 51 last week. They also beat East Haven 80 40. Pulling up the rear behind Notre Dame is Hill House 8 1, 418. They don't play, they don't play uh, each other in the regular season. Now, as we've mentioned, that's going to have to be an SEC championship potentially. But, uh, Hill, but House, Hill House does Hill House. play Cross on the 30th, so that's a big week for Wilbur that's Cross a, next a week. Big, big week. Number six is Norwich Free Academy, which continues to do its thing out in the ECC. Uh, number seven, Immaculate, make, uh, sitting there is still at number seven. Quietly one eight straight, as you say here, and they're obviously the team to beat in the uh, SWC. Which is really wide open, like the FCAC, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, shocked. As far as who, who's going to challenge him. Immaculate. I mean. Very interesting that there's an SWC team here and not an FCAC team. That's interesting to me. Uh, number eight, as we mentioned, is Wilbur Cross. Make just jumping up a spot to number nine. Uh, Derek Grant had a great game. Scored 46 points in two victories against Hamden. Yes. So that's so he had like what he had like 20 something. His other first RC start back in December 19th. He had 21 and he had 25 here, uh, and it come from behind win as they they basically. Uh, cross and Prince deck flip spots. Really big game there in Hamden. It was a packed pack gym pretty much. Um, and number nine, Prince Peck continues to do its thing. Uh, they have I a mean, big week next week. They have a huge week. Now. Look, yeah. look at the what two undefeated. So you got, I mean, I was looking at it, although I didn't know on who were the un, remaining undefeated teams, and there's only 11 left. And Prince deck plays two of them possibly next week. Oh, yeah. Capital, Capital Prep. Prep and Fitch. So, I mean, it might take a little luster away from NFA and Fitch if they were to beat them uh, for the ECC. And then, obviously, Northwest Catholic, as we mentioned, I mean, their only loss was to East Catholic, which is obviously we saying is no shame in that. No. And, um, I mean, they're in Division Three, so I'm sure that's going to be of interest if they continue to win and being in that division. But regardless, yeah. they have not had the vintage Northwest Catholic team. It's been quite a while. Mm-hmm. Guy Raglan, and they got the, the – um, the Curtis kid, who's sophomore guard, they've got players and pieces, and they are a contender in the CCC. They're right in the rung behind the top two. Just quickly looking at some of the other teams, kind of yep. in the the bottom here. Nogaduck still undefeated as, as of this eight zero. Yep. Staples, as we mentioned, they suffered their first loss. Xavier quietly seven and one. Yep. Very interesting. Fitch, as we mentioned, nine and zero. Ridgefield is another team, maybe in the FCAC to, to look out for. The they, only unbeaten team in league play. In league play, so. Right. They're, yeah, they're ahead of the – they're atop the standings in the FCAC as far as that goes. Canton, 10-0, and Old Lyme, 7-1 and they are. No, they lost oh. in double overtime to uh, Waterford at Waterford, and that's what is their first loss, and that's why they kind of lost votes. But they're still the team to beat in the Shoreline right. Conference. Holy Cross lost to Crosby. Yep. New Britain they- got smoked by East Catholic. Well, who, who hasn't? Tolland. Yes. Making some moves nine and one, Bassick six and three, Trumbull six and two, Glassberry six and two, Fairfield Ludlow seven and two, Crosby seven and three, and then finally Sheehan seven and two. Those are the teams that are receiving votes. So that is your top ten. Uh, as I as we mentioned, I really do hope that Windsor and East Catholic take care of business and that they go into that uh, that showdown. Be there, or be square. It wins. We'll, we'll we'll have another podcast before that. Uh, yeah, the day of. Off. The day of. Yeah, we'll we'll be publishing the day of. So uh, be sure to check that out. Um, the other thing we need to talk about uh, that happened over the over the weekend um, was the death of Sheila Bineski, um, the first lady of high school basketball. Um, you know, 
if you, you covered basketball in this state, Sheila and her and her husband Frank, Sheila the Beneskis, uh, it, it was a big game when those two showed up, and they 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 showed up early. They caught the JV games. They went to scores of games every year. They were at a, they were at a game every night that they could make it. They were in the front row, they, always with a smile on their face, always wanted to talk to everybody. Just just a couple that you want to talk about great marriages. They they they. they they just want, they went all over the state. They're from up uh, up northern Connecticut. They went all over the state. So everybody, if you were a media member, if you were a coach, if you even if sometimes even if you were a player, you knew who the Beneskis were. And it's sad that it's sad to say that Sheila Beneski died. What she was at seventy six years old and yep. just a, a just a wonderful woman. And uh, and it's just just sad news. Uh, our hearts go out to uh, Frank Frank Beneski, her husband. Um, just won't be the same without her there. She always had a smile on her face. And I absolutely love those two. And it was, it was very sad to hear of her passing. Yes. Um, they haven't been to any games this year because she had been sick. Mm. Um, unfortunately, it, I mean, and, and I had emailed Frank a couple of times during the fall and obviously she was going through treatment for what she was dealing with. And, um, now, obviously, the family's devastated because obviously she's not going to be around, and and and, and I, I hope beyond hope that Frank will find some time, if he can, to go to some games, and I'm sure he would be uplifted if that were to happen, if he was up to it. Um, but I, as you mentioned, Sean, uh, I've known them. And he's Frank has been very helpful to me as far as he cuz he helps to stay coach picks the I believe he coaches all state team mm-hmm. he's, he's a significant factor in that he's helped me with we do we do a preseason teams for the most part mm-hmm. for, helped me with the top 25 and who he remembered um for over a decade I, mean, I I ask a few different people their input and and he is one of them and obviously his postseason teams um, cuz he sees I mean as we've mentioned 125 games yeah, I mean, that's yeah. more than I see. I can't. I, I. I can't physically get to that many. It's just yeah. impossible with the responsibilities we have here, and um, and she was the nicest lady. And listen, she was more interested talking about how you were, yeah. how your family was, how my son and my wife were doing, and and obviously I, I'd be glad to talk about my four year old all day long on twice on Sundays, but <laughs> um, and obviously listen, the referees would go over and talk to them. And yeah. coaches before the game would go over and talk to them. And posting coaches scouting would talk. And fans. And you know, and, and we don't acknowledge fans a lot on this, but the, the number of fans who do listen to this podcast and, and all of our podcasts on Game Time CT. And uh, it's a shame because she's such a nice lady. I mean, the two of the sincerely nicest people mm-hmm. you will ever meet. Absolutely. And, and basketball excluded, it's what who they are as people. And um, the services uh, you can find on Game Time CT, they're in West Suffield uh, on Thursday is the, is the calling hours at the uh, Heritage Funeral Home in West Suffield. And then um, the funeral is on Friday. Yeah, so, they will uh, be uh, dedicating the tournaments this year. Yeah, they had made a decision. I, did, I confirmed with CIAC that they had made a decision in October to dedicate this, the tournaments at the Mohegan Sun. Well, the tournaments itself, and I'm sure they'll honor them. Um, at the Mohegan Sun, which is usually the the morning before they start tip off, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it's a nice gesture on the CIAC's part. Uh, it just goes to show you how how much impact, how much impact they oh, absolutely, had yeah. And, uh, and, I mean, and again, if you didn't know their names, you knew who they were because they sat and I had people like well, who the Bennett? front row center. Oh, that couple. Yeah. yeah, that couple. And you couldn't miss them. They were at every if there if there was a top ten match, a big. They were usually at a big game. I mean, the, the only one they game. missed. I, I, we joke about it sometimes. Is uh, the SEC final oh. because it was the tickets were sold out. They got there like it was a seven o'clock game. Hillhouse Notre Dame, two thousand seven. That's, right. That's the Tremont Waters, as we talked about one of the great games, sold out. Uh, TD Banks at Quinnipiac University and scalping tickets. Well, we. we yeah, we, we we could go. You can go back and look at that stuff. But <laughs> they got there. I believe they told me three thirty, quarter to four, and were shut out. Yeah, that's crazy. And for a seven o'clock game, tickets were already sold out. They yeah. stopped. So they ended up going to the NBL final that night, and that's probably one of the rare times they've ever been shut out of a game. Yeah. 
And, Couldn't uh, if, if yeah, I, I, someone should at least try to maybe Al or somebody got to get. In yeah, there. well, uh, they should have worked their connections a little bit, got a little front row seat, but uh, that was unfortunate. And but like I said though, if it, you knew it was a big game when they showed up, like yeah, everyone jokes about if if Morelli's there, it's a big game. But no, 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 no. no. If it was a big game, if, if Morelli's there and Bineskis aren't there, it's not a big game. <laughs> you know yeah and, and, that's well that's, you know, that's that's one way of looking at yeah. it sometimes you, some i mean they would travel i think about and i would the running joke i'd have with them is what time do you leave because if you're going to trinity catholic if you're oh, going yeah. to st joe's if you're going even to new haven that's a long listen it's an hour it's over an hour to west suffield you're going past bradley international airport basically to get to where uh they live so think about what time they're leaving for games and that they're there early, so they're there sitting there in front row with their mm-hmm. sandwiches. They eat the sandwiches in the car, and yeah. you know. And uh, again, it was a charmed, charmed experience for for both of them. Imagine that having, you know, a passion like that, uh, and uh, you share it with your your significant other, and they go to the games with you, and uh, and and actually that that's what Sheila did for Frank, and Frank did for Sheila. They went to they went to not just boys games, they went to girls games too. Yes, um, and uh, they weren't just a boys couple they were just they were the first family of connecticut uh they were basketball and uh they and, and frank still be, is and i hope and again i hope he was able to go i think in these circumstances you know and uh you know again our hearts go out to frank and we hopefully will we will i'm sure we will i mean i i think that you they frank can find if he doesn't know already because there's been a outpouring of just love oh, and yeah. affection. They're going to be there. Sadness. They're going to be out in, in droves on Thursday and Friday. It's yeah, going to be a long line. I, I think, yeah. you know, Frank, come out, see us all. Um, we will, you know, your extended family, we hope you, we hope to see you out there. You know, we'll, we can we can all mourn together uh, the loss of your of your great wife. She was, a, she was a tremendous person, always had a smile on her face, and she will be sorry, sorely missed. So that was uh, sad news, and, uh, you know, we, uh, we hope the uh, Bineski family and, Everyone involved, uh, we hope we hope for the best, and uh, you know our, our deepest sympathies. So, and we're going to take a break, and coming back, we're going to have Albertus Magnus coach Mitch Oliver. Joining us on the Courtside with Joe Morelli podcast is the longtime th- head coach at Albertus Magnus, his thirteenth season, two seventy-five and ninety-one, three conference coach of the year in the Great Northeast Athletic Conference. They won 36 straight conference wins, seven conference championships. They've been to the NCAA Division Three tournament seven times, ranked in the top 25 consistently, in, um, and I, and, mo- and most importantly, uh, having known Mitch as long as I have, uh, a lot of kids have gone through his programs, even when he was assistant at Sacred Heart and at Quinnipiac under Joe DeSantis, and now at Albertus Magnus. Uh, he does a great job out there. It's Mitch Oliver, the head coach at Albertus Magnus. Mitch, thank you for joining us on the uh, Courtside Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, I could have gone on and on and on, Mitch. You know, it's it's a very long resume on on the website, and uh, but thank you for make, taking making time in your day because they are on the road Tuesday night as we tape this this evening against Regis in a great Northeast Athletic Conference game. Mitch, talk about your your twelve and two. Um, you have one loss to Middlebury recently, but which is a great team of its, in its own right. Just talk about how the season has gone thus far for you. Uh, so far, so good. We're twelve and two. Uh, we had a stretch of eleven straight there, and uh, we did. We went up to Middlebury. Um, uh, we were ranked eighteenth. Uh, they're ranked fifth. So a top twenty-five game, and we we lost a close one on the road. Didn't play our best game, um, but we we scheduled those games for a reason. We've had a couple wins over WPI and York, two top 25 teams. So every year we're trying to improve our schedule. Um, you know, Division Three is no different than Division One with the, the landscape of the NCAA tournament. You win your league at the automatic bid. If you don't, you're right in the mix for, uh, for an at-large bid. So uh, that that's one of those uh, bracket buster games. So in a couple, we've had four of those this year, and we're three and one. So I think we're, we're in good shape. Um, we just had our first league game uh, on Saturday, and now we're done with our, you know, con- at a conference schedule, and the rest of the way it's all league games. So, and the league games are the toughest because they know you better than anyone, and you know we've uh, we've been at the top for a long time, so we understand that every game is it could be the Super Bowl for our opponent. And you mentioned again, GNAC play Regis tonight, and he got back to back St. Joe's, St. Joe's of Maine, 
at home on Saturday. Yep. So go out and and here's the interesting one. Obviously, we you you know this St. Joseph of Connecticut, coached by Jim Calhoun. Right. Uh, next Wednesday, the 29th at seven o'clock. I'm sure the place is going to be packed. It's going to be wild. What are you expecting out of that game? Having you guys face each other for the GNAC title last year. What are you expecting this time around? Well, I mean, I'm expecting nothing because I'm worried about tonight. <laughs> you just got the classic coach answer. Uh, I honestly haven't even, I haven't even looked at like I'm not even I haven't even looked into it. It's like we treat every game. One thing I do do, and especially with all the stuff I, I treat every single opponent the same. We prepare. We watch more film than anyone. We you know we never overlook an opponent. Um, but I, honestly, I have not I haven't looked at anything. Okay. So um, you know, obviously, there's I'm, it's like anything else. It'll be like the rematch of the championship last year so there'll be all sorts of hype but i'm just worried about like shoot around today and then playing a game tonight um so that's where we're at with that but um you know i'm sure there'll be some hype yeah and obviously for fans it's it's against st joe's and that's the team coach by jim calhoun the former uconn coach and the hall of famer it will be uh wednesday january 29th at seven o'clock in the uh, what is it the eagles what do they call it what's what's it what's the called the the nest the, the nest. nest yes yes albertus magnus mitch you have Obviously, it's a boys' basketball podcast. You have 11 kids from the state on your roster, including Tyreek Perkins, who was a former Register Area MVP when he played a career before transferring to Putnam Science. Just talk about how you important it is for you to have kids from the state to get people to come out and, these, and how they've helped you get your program where they are, where it is. All right. Well, you know, the, when I first got the job, um, you know, it was a rebuilding situation. So the first thing I want to do, we're in New Haven, like the mecca of, of high school basketball in That's Connecticut. Correct. Yep. And what I wanted to do was right off the bat, you know, I, right in New Haven, you had you had Cross, you had you have Hill House, you have Career Hyde when they were open. You know, you had all these great teams, and then obviously New Haven, surrounding New Haven County, West Haven, Hand, I could go on and on. Um, and you, you, all great coaches, all great guys. So the first thing I want to do is, hey, if I can get a, you know, a player from each of those schools, I'm in good shape. That's not always going to shake out like that, but um, it's, it's extremely important uh, for us to, um, to have a predominantly Connecticut roster. But I do, have, I do mix in New York and New Jersey, a lot of contacts yes. that I've made, and I'll get into that later. But, um, yeah, like Tyreek Perkins and Isaiah Lewis and, and Davon Warner – Andrew Rice and Justice Washington, just to mention a few, those are like the New Haven County type kids. But you got great coaches, you know, and that's what it's about. It's all about relationships, you know. Um, you got Renard Sutton, you, you know, you got Kevin Wall, and the two two guys in New Haven do a great job of that 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 I see all the time, you know. So it's like one big family, one big coaching fraternity. Um, <clears throat> I root for them, they root for us, and anything we can do to help their kids get to the next step, get that college experience. What better place to do it in their hometown? So we've, um, we, you know, I love it when there is a player that we like that can impact us directly from one of the New Haven schools. We'll do everything we can to get one of those guys. Um, and it's very important to us. It's very important to us. So, and obviously we, we'll branch out. We've had several, several great players from, from um, just the bigger cities, you know, Bridgeport and, and, Hart, and, um, and Hartford and Waterbury. Um, but, it, honestly, it's if you're good, I'm going to find you. I don't care where you're from. But we do make a point to to try to keep the best talent that's from New Haven in New Haven, if that makes any sense. Albertus Magnus, Coach Mitch Oliver, joining us on the Courtside Podcast. Mitch, talk about how, I mean, you mentioned you'll find them, the kids who have fallen through the cracks, who have the big dreams, and, well, it, it didn't work out because they, they weren't, ready to play at that level or they couldn't or they didn't get recruited to play at that level and, and having been in division one so you see um those kids how has it changed in the 13 years as far as the the landscape of connecticut basketball uh, the well i think it's everywhere but um the the biggest thing with the recruiting like obviously we're going to find you and but there's more more and more kids are self-promoters and that social media has done that mm, you know right. and it you know, they're out there with videos all over the place. Listen, if you can't look good in a highlight video, then I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> you know, uh, hey, I'll say, coach, I'll send you a highlight. Did you see the highlight video of my player? Yeah, he made every shot. I can't believe it. <laughs> so, uh, my, you know, seriously, and, and the, big, the, the biggest thing is, you know, I, I, I got to see you in person. And I don't, you know, I'm not interested if a kid's posting something on Instagram that says he's grinding in the gym with, with a bunch of guys rebounding for him. Like, I, I want to see, see results. 
Um, but that, that, you know, and I'm kidding, but that, that's, that's how it's really changed. Um, and, you know, listen, college is getting expensive. College is, you know, there's only so many scholarships out there for Division One and Two. Um, and now with the, with the transfer rules at the college level of, of appeals and not sitting out and all that kind of stuff, <clears throat> kids want instant gratification. Oh, yeah. They want to go from senior year all state playing in high school. They all expect to play as a freshman, and that's rare at any level. Yeah. So there's so much transfer going, transferring going on, and and so I think you see a lot of, and you see a lot more people involved. Back in the day, you know, you had you, you saw a kid play, maybe you know, for the last time, like um, or for one of the uh, the first times his junior year, where you really got in the summer, you really got to know the kid after having him on a list. Then you had him in for an unofficial visit. Then you brought him in his senior year in the fall. Um, uh, you, you did a home visit at his house. Then you did a school visit. Then you brought him in for probably like Midnight Madness the senior year. Then you get a commitment and a signing. That's not happening anymore. Kid, I, you're seeing videos of kids when they're in eighth grade. Um, you know, look, he's dribbling all over the place. So he's burying shit. And it's like, you know, that's, that's I think, has changed it. And when I first started coaching college, there was only – a handful of AU teams in Connecticut that were no that actually when I say in other words that went to the main tournaments the scholarship tournaments that all the division 1 coaches were at now there's there's probably 100 there's probably I can't keep track of them oh, yeah. and at the younger level at the and when their kids are even younger it's like oh he didn't make the team oh, I'm just going to start my own team yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you talk you talk to a kid right. and you gotta to talk to five different people. Wait, did you talk to his coach? I talked to his coach last night. No, his AU coach. I talked oh. to him too. No, I'm sorry, no. His handler. Oh my no, god. No, this guy there's ten million guys I got no problem doing it. I'll talk to everyone because I wanna to get to know I wanna know who the 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 person is. But now you gotta go I through wanna different know where le- he's from. Now you gotta go through like different yeah. levels. You know, now you know, yeah. I just mentioned yeah. you got to go through different, yeah. like five or six different people just to get to the kid. I mean, although now you well, you, exactly. can, you could probably, I don't know, you can, well you guys can't talk to him on social media until until a designated period. No, right? no, he can't. Right, well, so. but I can talk. But the good thing about my level is it's unlimited phone calls and all that and all that kind of stuff and in person contact. Like that's a little bit different okay, um, right. than Division One and Two, where there's so many rules. So I can take advantage of that. I can also go see a kid play anywhere. I go see him play in his but driveway. Is it too so much? Though? A little <laughs> different. Yeah. Um, no, it's funny. It's funny you say that. There's a lot of there's a lot of Division Three coaches that are that want recruiting like restrictions, like rule, like rules for like calendar restrictions. Mm-hmm. And I'm against it. Like, I mean, why would you take away that advantage? Where, you know, I don't have to look up if an event is sanctioned or any of that kind of junk. You know, yeah. I can just go. Oh, he's playing. I'll be right there. You know, so, you know, a lot, some people are against that. I, I don't know why, but um, that's how it's really um, changed. And everyone thinks they're a Division One player. Um, Listen, before I became, I went from Division One to Division Three. I'd never seen a Division Three game in my life before I got here. Mm. So I didn't know how good it was or how bad it was or vice versa. I had no idea. You know, maybe I saw a couple of Division Two games in my time as a Division One assistant. So it's gotten so much better. I mean, every guy on my team, you guys, you know, all the Connecticut guys, they're all state guys. Yeah. You know, they're all all state guys, averaging twenty five points, the man, and at some point. They were considered, recruited, or projected as a Division One player. It doesn't work out for everyone. So we've, we want to be the option. You can't make it Division One or two. come here. We've had plenty of them. Um, you know, guys like, like Darius Watson from New Britain. Um, you know, Darius is a guy that, I mean, scored 2,500 points. You know, I mean, yes. you know, he, he's, he's by the main reason we went up to Central Connecticut, lost by one, he had 25. Guys like that. Where Division One players decide to take another avenue other than junior college or prep school, to you know, because there's no guarantee. You could put it off a year, um, and you might be in the same boat. You know, all these you, you kind of yeah. All, all these coaches, oh, excuse me, all these players, they're all great in their own their own different way. What what do you find that separate? Like what what separates a Division One from a, a Division Three player? I mean, it, it can't be a whole heck of a lot. I mean, is it just size? Including the ability, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> there's a bunch of different factors. Um, size isn't all. Size is is a factor, of course. Um, you know, athleticism. 
can go either way. It's it's a, more of a combination of athleticism and skill level. Like I have guys that are more athletic than a lot of Division One guys. Right. You know, they're, they're like way more athletic. But maybe that Division One team has a guy that's not as athletic, but combined with the skill level in size is better. You know what I mean? So. Um, and a lot of it is timing. It's no different than the college kid that's trying to play overseas or, or these guys that get chances and don't get chances in the NBA. A lot of it is being right place, right time, um, going, picking the right school, um, you know, picking the school you're going to play as a freshman or have an opportunity. Or, or you know, that's, there, there's a lot of Division two and three guys that, when they're sophomores and juniors, could are, turn themselves into Division one players. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no different. You, how many guys have you seen that leave New Haven alone, New Haven County, go to a junior college, and two days and two years later, you're you're sitting home at ten thirty at night, and they're and they're playing uh, the the late West Coast game. You're like, oh, I remember that kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's good. And but for every guy that does that, there's fifteen more that don't even come close to that. So. I will never tell. I will never shoot down a kid's dream. I'll always tell every single kid, listen, listen, you do everything you can to try to get a scholarship. You do everything you can to, to if you're, your dream is to play at the highest level. But understand you have an option here. But don't wait too long right. <laughs> because I'm telling that to a couple other kids that are going to jump on it. But, uh, um, but I will never, um, you know, shoot a kid's dream down or anything like that. Um, you know, we've had a lot of kids through here. A lot of coaches will come through. Um, you know, like the local guys, like I said, like, you know, you got three great coaches just in here, you know, with, with Kevin, uh, Larry Kelly, and, uh, you know, and Coach Sutton. So guys like that will come through, and they know our program, and the players know our program. Um, so it's a little bit different with them. But, you know, you'd be surprised. At, oh, you're Division Three? Yeah, well, my son, you know, meanwhile, I might not even be looking at that kid. Actually, I wasn't talking about your son. I want to, you know, so it's uh, – I don't think people realize how competitive – uh, college basketball is at every single level until they actually see it. Um, but recruiting is a is is a very tough game, and it's sometimes a tough reality for kids that you might find themselves sitting there in the spring with with they may tell you they have no options, but meanwhile they have some Division three schools, and that maybe they can't appreciate that. Um, you know, sometimes so. Well, and then you, you have a lot of. You know, how do you cut through that? Like, I mean, I, you don't want to squash a kid's dream. Obviously, you, you want never, you, never. You want kids to reach for the stars. You want them to go as high as they possibly yes. can. Um, but I mean, how do you? You know, you have all these people. As we mentioned, you have all these handlers and different coaches. Everyone's talking to them. How do you kind of cut through that and maybe you know at least let them kind of see where they really are instead of having their head filled up with you know delusions? I suppose. I, the, the best thing I could do is come to a practice. Come to. I've had high school coaches that I'm friends with that will bring their team and players to a practice so they can see, hmm. so their players can see how good and competitive our level is. Right. I'll tell you, I'll never mention a kid's name, but I had a kid from a, a one of the top uh, high school programs in the, in the last 20 years in Connecticut. Um, coach brought him. This is about five or six years ago. And he was averaging about 23 points a game, and it was about mid-year. And I brought him to. He came up to practice, and he had a. And I and he was a guy that could have been mixed in with our guys and been a pretty solid off the bench player initially. And maybe I, and I wanted him. And he came and after the practice, he said, "I can't play here." Mm. <laughs> and this is a kid that I thought could because I knew where to fit him in. Right. And the coach came over and goes goes Mitch. He doesn't think he could. He goes. He just saw that practice. He doesn't think he's good enough to play here. Mm. He's like, are you sure he's good enough? He's like, because I, I think I agree with him. So that, you know, it's more exposure. Right. You know, but a lot of these kids see, they play AAU, and, you know, they if they walk by, like, a, a top 100 player at the concession stand, that turns into, I played against him. Yeah. Or, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Or, I, I'm just as good as him. I scored 10 points in the same tournament. You know, like, right. stuff like that. When they got, and again, it's more reality. So I listen. I'm a straight shooter with all these guys. I when I talk to the kids, the coach, and everything, I say, "Listen, we're good. We're really good. Your your son or or your player comes here. They're going to graduate in four years. All right. Uh, you know they're they're going to be uh, treated with respect. Um, you know they're going to. We're a very disciplined program. They're going to have a great college experience. I run it like a Division One program. I mean, we have we have a, a hundred thousand dollar jumbotron in our gym that does. Uh, we shut the lights off. We do the whole um, starting lineups, videos. 
You know, when they go to the line, their their headshots up on there. You know, we got a VIP section. We got new bleachers. Um, in in March, we're we're building a brand new um, team room uh, that is like all Division One have with theater seats mm. and and like uh, a, a drop screen and, and logos all over the place with the with a TV and the you know the corner and all and the tables and chairs. So we do it. We, we we travel just like it like a division one. We do everything we can. So maybe they're not going to play for UConn or or, uh, or Quinnipiac or Sacred Heart or whatever or, or even like a division two. But they're getting you're getting the same experience. You're getting the same experience. You're going to make friends for life, and you're gonna and, get, and you're gonna win. Like I, the only thing I'll ever tell a kid is, listen, I'm going to win whether you come or not. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only thing that I'll ever say. That is maybe like you know, kind of straightforward. Like, listen, you come great, awesome, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna win whether you come or not. I'll tell my guys when they're on my team. You don't buy in, we're still gonna win. You may have a great seat on the, you may have the, the, you know, a great seat on the bench <laughs> checking us out. So you might as well jump on this train and go. But we're gonna win no matter what, whether you're in or out. Albertus, um, but no. go ahead, sir. Go ahead, finish up. Good. Yeah. So <laughs> you know that that's it. I mean, it's, you know. So it's but the the high school coaches in Connecticut are great. I give them a ton of credit. They they support us and they do, like they do not like the CIC has to change that rule. They let these guys work with their teams. Yeah, it's all, you have try you have tryouts. You have three days of practice and you got a game. That's impossible. That's unsafe. Yeah. You can go through a whole a whole list of of, of things what it is and, and all these guys deal with different things. I'm sure. I'm sure they're principals and AADs. Oh, you have to have uh, tryouts this day, this day and this day and this day, and that just steals three practices from them. So I have a lot of respect from what they do. They put all their time in um, with uh, with fall leagues and summer leagues. They're paying their own money. They're doing it. You know, they're doing all these things, um, and I think we got to help them out. Albertus you know, Magnus, so coach. That, that's the biggest thing. Mitch Oliver joining us on the podcast. Just, I mean, you talked about you want to see the work ethic in person, and we talked about all the different levels of kids. How important to you is to have kids in the program who do the dirty work, and how important is to have kids in the program with high moral character? All right, all right. So, um, character is the first thing we're looking for. All right, so we'll do you know thorough investigation on everything. You know, um, and, and I've gave, I've given lectures on this here for with our other coaches, and I've talked to different high schools right. about and parents about a recruiting process seminars. I'm doing. My all my homework. I want to know exactly what I'm getting into. I want to know who the kid is, where he's from, family first, number one. I want to know everything about. Him. I want to talk to them. I want to know you know everything about him. And then the school. I want to know what's going on at the school. I'll talk to everyone. I'll talk to everyone from the from the principals to the to the coaches, to to the school nurse to maintenance, whoever I whoever this kid has come across. I want to know. I, you know you know that's key. Um, so. Wait, I already know they're high character when they get here. We're only going to make them better. We're going to turn them into into a young man to a man, and they're going to build relationships, and, and, and that's what it's all about. As far as the dirty work, um, we have a guy on our team who's actually he's injured right now, and I can't say much more about that, all these rules, but um, yeah. Andrew Rice is a local kid. Yeah, right? Hall. He does everything that no one else wants to do. Like, he like, – this kid, he, he rebounds, he blocks shots, he steals, he'll defend the one, he'll defend the five, and he's good enough to be, uh, you know, here's another thing. I play 13 guys 10 minutes or more. Ten, I give everyone a shot. 13 guys 10 minutes or more. We're impossible to scout. Talk to the coach at place the other day. He's like, I don't even know what's going on. He's like, I'm looking at these stats. I'm like, listen, we're try- I'm keeping everyone involved. We're all, we're all in there. We're all in this. He's one of the kids that, um, you know, does, like I said, everything no one else wants to do. And and those are guys that jump off the you know when he was at Hampton Hall he might have been their MVP. Obviously they had great players, uh, and Christian Adams and Breland and Dawson. But there might have been times where he w- he might have been the best player on the floor from a coach's team. But what he's doing, you know, so um, so that's the, as an example. That's a guy that I look for. So all those kids out there that think they got to make five six threes in a game and average twenty five points, I can care less. And other coaches are like that. Like we want to see, we want to see effort and heart and production, and people that have high character and that want to play within a system. One common goal: a team working together. That's it. Mitch Oliver joining us on the podcast. Uh, he played for a legend in Gary Paldino at Notre Dame West Haven. 
Uh, and I, my days date back with Mitch to when he was assistant coach with Ray Mayen at Foreign High School in Milford. Yeah, how much yep. did those two situations and where you play collegially, how much did that all help you get to where you are? For those who uh, for want to uh, listening who want to maybe become part of the coaching fraternity, how those things set you yeah. up for today? Well, you, you know, Notre Dame, yeah, Paladino, Paladino was, was hard-nosed, disciplinarian, the quotes, all that stuff. So it's kind of like your first taste in high school, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, and then get it, and then I got into coaching, you know, right away. I didn't play in college. I got right into coaching. Okay. You know, and I, I, I knew I wanted to coach, and I got right into it. And um, I went, um, you know, like you said, I went to four with Ray, Ray Mahon. And I was Those were funny days. And Those were funny I'm sorry. Well, yeah, of course, great, great guy, funny guy, you know, legend down down at Milford uh, coaching, and that kind of got my start. And I kind of just sat back, you absorb it, everything, and then right. then I was fortunate enough to go to Benell with Ken Bear, uh, who ended right. up being um, a college coach, head coach at UMass, who I learned a ton from, a ton. Who who um, you know, it just elevated stuff. I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, wow, I wish I knew this when I was playing. And, like, you know, I learned a ton from him, and that kind of set me up to, you know, I want to take it to the next level. And then um, a friend of mine got me in at Sacred Art, Kevin Phillips, with, with Dave Bike, and Kevin I learned Phillips. a ton from Dave Bike. Dave Bike, um, you know, so successful at uh, at Sacred Heart, and, you know, a, a ton of things. There's a bunch of – he has the best quotes ever, but one of them I, I'll never – like, he used to always say, you get what you get. Like, so if I came back with a coach, I just saw a 6'10 guy – I think he could be pretty good. And you look at me and go, you get what you get. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that sometimes. Like, listen, these kids are going to show up, and oh, how much better are you going to make them? Um, but, um, you know, great coach there. And then and then I really probably, you know, then, then I moved on to Quinnipiac with Jonas Sanis, and, that, and right. that was everything. Like, I learned everything from him. How to run a program, um, how to recruit. I got all my contacts from him. Uh, New York, New Jersey, and uh, I still talk to him probably every day. Um, and he he was he's a big part of my success here because I took his system and, and brought it here and, and kind of ran with it. And he'll still come to games and practices. And but I learned a ton from him. You know, Joe was a great coach and even better person. And uh, you know, I, I learned uh, you know the ins and outs of the recruiting process. Um, and like I said, how to run a program the right way. Um, and how to build it and sustain it, and um, and I owe him a lot. So you do take from, you know, all the guys that you you played for or worked for, and then now and then then it's your colleagues, you know, um, you know guys that you worked with, and you know my two closest friends in the business are probably Darren Savino, who's at UCLA now, and Jared Grasso, who's at um, Bryant. At Bryant, so those are guys I talk to all the time, and and you know we all bat, we it's you're fortunate enough to have guys like that. You know, when you're doing it so long that you can bounce stuff off of each other. So, um, you know, you do take from, um, you know, you, you kind of mold your own uh, system and process from, from everyone that you worked for. But all those guys have, have uh, 100% have something to do for it, and I'm thankful that they gave me a chance to coach with them. And you talk about coaching trees. I mean, one of your former players is now the head coach at Hand High School, Jimmy Akananopoulos, and uh, I imagine yeah. you'll have some former pl- future former players who will be coaches and I'm sure that means a lot to you as well. It it does. You know, there's you know Jimmy's at hand, and I'll tell you a great story about him in a second. And I have some former assistants too. Kevin Wilk is at St. Joe's. That's right. Uh, Lamar Kennedy is the head coach. Yep, uh, head coach at Harding. Um, wow. And there's that's a bunch right. of other guys. Julian Sanders is at Julian Sanders at Sacred Heart, and there's a handful of other guys like helping out other programs and have coached and not coached. Um, but Jimmy is like the so Jimmy high character guy. Obviously, I knew his father, who his father was, and everything when he came here. And Nick Jimmy came here with Jefferson. For those who don't, yes, know. yes, for those, yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. And uh, Jimmy came here um, with Jefferson Lore, who was like the highly touted recruiting another. And I've always said about Jefferson. Jefferson Lore is like he's the greatest teammate I've ever had here. Like, guy, it's a great teammate for his play. Like, just a great person to be around, and that's rare. You know, that's you know, no matter what is going on, that guy was always happy, ready to go. But Jimmy, Jimmy was great. Um, he was the hardest worker by far, by far, and just put in, just worked his way into that lineup, and just he helped us win so many games. And I had a kid come up my office one time and say, "Coach, I think I'm way better than Jimmy." And this kid was a kid that was like athletic and 
You know, he could shoot from 30 feet, but he would go one for 10, and then he could dunk all over the place. Like, you think I said, well, let's go. I said, all right. I said, we're going to go downstairs right now. If you can, if you can score on him, then you can take all his minutes. <laughs> well, can I, can I warm up? Am I, like, he started making excuses. And I'm like, you're not – like, he outworks you every single day. He, he's, he's a better player. Than, and, 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 then I, and then I brought it back down to reality and everything. And, but my point is, guys, like, kids like that, like, if you work hard, I'm getting you in the game. You can work, you work your way into it. And he, he was awesome, awesome. Like, I wish I had a guy like him every year. Every year. I got a, actually got a guy now very similar to him that you both know, Q-Line Wilkes from Bassick. Yes. Yep. Great player. Great, like he he could play two minutes. He could play thirty. He's ready to go no matter what. He's one of the guys that does all the all the, the little things. He's always zoned in, eye contact, looking at me, ready to go. Yes, coach, let's do this. I could I could quiz him on something. He already knows it. But the scouting report, like he is zoned in. What a great kid! I'm lucky to have him. For for those, this is Albert Magnus, uh, Mitch, Coach Mitch Oliver, joining us. A generic for those who are listening, kids or coaches, what to do. Not so much for Alberts, but generically to get looks. If you're listening, what you should be doing. I mean, obviously, you get the highlight video. Just to work on, to say, hey, hey, I'm here. What I need to do to perform at the next level. What are the most important things for kids to understand? Not so much for Alberts, but uh, in, ge- in general. Yeah, be, be coachable. Listen to your ISO coaches. The answer is right there. Not everyone's going to be happy with their coach. Everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to start. Everyone wants – you get the, the same kid will say, I want to play. Then you're going to play him. Then his next can play is, I want to start. Then he's going to say, I don't get the ball enough. And then, then when you give him the ball, then he's, then he's going to say, this guy ain't passing it to, the, to my hands. He's passing it to the floor. No, so God. you're going to be dealing with that all the time. But be coachable. All right, that's the first thing. If I go to a game and I see talent and I'm watching a kid and then the coach tells me, you know, gives me some you know negative things or whatever. I could kind of read it and like what he's saying, or I see it. Crossing them right off the list. It's easier for us to cross a kid off the list for an attitude, or or or. But I'll tell you one thing that that I look at: body language. Mm. I walk into a gym, and I'm not the only one. This is every and I see you sitting there, like slouched down, you know, all mad and everything, with a look on your face. I mean, that is energy draining. You're drained. There's energy givers and energy takers. I got a sign right outside my door. It's a picture of a guy sitting on the bench, like all slouched down. It says energy takers. And there's another guy sitting next to him, screaming, yelling, going nuts. Energy, energy givers. Yep. So if you're if you're energy taker, I ain't taking you. <laughs> so that's what that's one of the main things we want to see. That, but you got to be coachable. You got to be coachable. You know, you can't go. You can't get in the car and complain to your parents. You can't get. You can't. Go, um, you know. So I wish my AU coach was the coach. Uh, great. All right, go play AU. You know, you, you gotta be coachable, and you gotta be willing to take constructive criticism, not just from your coach, but you gotta understand the reality of things. And how can you promote yourself? Well, you could do other things I just I just mentioned. Um, and, and in social media, it is part of the game. You, 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 I'm not telling kids not to get their films out there. That's good. Get all that stuff out there. Um, you know. Don't have your parents email a coach. Don't do a college coach. Do not do that. I got right in my phone right now. If I look at my phone, I have forty thousand two hundred seventy-six unread emails. Do you really? Oh my goodness! Are you kidding? Hey, I get so many a day. Now I see them. Trust me, I'm looking at every single email. I'm looking at them, right? And I don't, you know, some of them are spam stuff like that, and right. you know, sure. Uh, it, but it, just to give you an idea of yeah. how many come in. When we hang up, I'll screenshot it and text it. Oh, yeah, you're please do. <laughs> so, that's, un- that's unbelievable. But, um, I totally know what you mean. That, and, I, and I look at them all, but I, I'm not clicking on it and scrolling down because I can see right off the bat. But my point is, yeah, they got to play the whole social media game. They got to get the videos out there. But they got to trust the system and, and you know work hard with your high school coach. Don't think about why are you thinking about trying to play in college or anything. You could just, just think about, you know, some kids think about, trying to play in college so much and, and getting their uh, exposure that they're missing their high school experience. Yeah. They're, they're you know so, what I mean? Oh, like, they're so it, wrapped up in it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, they're they're missing their high school experience. you got guys at the highest level now, you know, that um, are telling coaches, and I'm talking like Duke level and all that stuff, like, uh, you know, I'm not starting. You're hurting my draft stock. <laughs> or I'm not doing it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just the mentality out there. All right. I want guys from winning programs. You know, 
Yeah. You know, I, I have I one thing that my team does understand is it does not matter who starts the game. It does not matter. Matters who finishes. You know, we made we make that clear from from day one. It does not matter who starts. All right, and then they also know that if I have a core group of five or six guys that for that particular game are just killing it and playing well together, they're staying in. I'll call a timeout and rest them. Like, and it's going to be different every game, and it's a great buy-in for for these guys. Um, and these are all kids that, like I said, that were all state and that you guys know. Um, and, and, you know, my New York, New Jersey kids come from schools like Cardinal Hayes and Hudson Catholic, which are some of the top top 20 teams in the nation. Forget about, uh, you know, my, my kid John Delgado from Hudson Catholic. His, he had three teammates um, that played at uh, Oregon, Ohio State, and Villanova. Those were his three star, other starters, <laughs> you know. Uh, Terry Dawkins at, at Cardinal Hayes had four other Division One players on his team. So, you know, just a different mentality. And those guys are the guys that the starting on stuff doesn't matter. They get it. So, um, and guys, the guys from Hill House, they get it. You know, they get it's a family. It's a, it's a core. It's a, it's, you know, we're all, they're us 10, 11, 12, whatever that particular year team is trying to play, they're all one common goal, try to play together and win. And it's whether this guy starts or doesn't start, doesn't matter. So, um, that's buy in, be coachable and buy in. We're going to, like I said, we're going to find you. We're going to find you if you're good enough. That was Albertus Magnus coach Mitch Oliver joining us on game night, uh, going up to Regis, Massachusetts. Uh, Mitch, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time and, uh, hopefully some people were listening out there and we'll be our paying attention to what you said. Great so, insight coach. Really yes. nice job. Right. Yeah. All right. Appreciate it guys. Thank you for having me. All right. All you right. take care. Right. Thank take you. Okay, talk soon. Bye. Right, bye-bye. So, Joseph, Mitch Oliver, you know, if you're at a basketball game anywhere in Connecticut, you're going to see Mitch Oliver at it. That's that's for sure. You can't miss him. He's the tall, kind of uh, red-headed guy walking around talking to everybody. Uh, he's, a, he's a good dude. We all know well, him. Well, listen, what you see here, what you heard is what you get if you don't know Mitch Oliver. And, I mean, I, I wanted to bring him on because, to, like we did with Scott Perrell last year, give you an idea what the, the state landscape is like, what, how, what, what people are looking at from a different perspective. And we all enjoy the high school game, but obviously he's looking at it from a different perspective, from a winning program. How can he help his program continue to win? And that he wants to bring in those kind of kids. And obviously he, he recruits to stay as well as anybody. Yeah. And that's at any level. There's no disrespect him. to any other coach. I mean, he – I mean, Sacred Heart, all these guys do recruit state well, but he does a good job because he's picking up the kids that are falling through the cracks, and that's well, why he's, he's had— keeping them from falling through the cracks. Well, exactly. Well, that's to. a way of doing Yeah, and that's why he's had the success and seven NCAA Division I tournaments. Yeah, like, take, and, take a look at what he's on here. I mean, when he head, became head coach, he had four wins his first season, 07-08. Okay. 14 wins in 08-09. Uh, and then ever since then— he had an 18 win season in uh, in 10 11, but every other season since he's had 20 or more wins, which is pretty good. You know, tw- like you said, it'd be at the top 251 wins going into the season, um, and uh, you know I, he, he's done a tremendous job there. And, and you can see, you just take a look at their roster. I know I've heard of all those guys. Yeah, Tyreek Perkins, I see Devon Warner and Devon Warner, the, right. the, another Watson at, from Waterbury career and in. I mean, you got you got Palong Wilkes from Bass. Yeah, well, we mentioned Perkins. Him. Yep. You said, uh, you know, uh, how about uh, uh, Isaiah Lewis from Hill House? And then we mentioned right. Andrew Rice, who was a key part of uh, Sean Doherty's beginning at Hamden Hall to where he, they were NEPSAC Class B champions last year. Yeah, and again, these are kids that you saw play. I mean, yeah, yes, they are from New Haven area, and a lot of them but Jack he does Ryan from, State. I didn't see Stratford High School Stratford, yeah, he's, yeah he was an all-area kid for me last Justin for the register last year right? and uh and he have a uh, who was it he had uh who was the the Benel the Benel guard oh um, um the uh, Pittman Pittman Ryan, Ryan Pittman. Pittman yeah tremendous again who helped win Benel win a state championship the only one in, in history um they beat he was tremendous remember yeah. him I, oh yeah he's a tremendous player and it, it again He's had success, and he likes where he's doing, and he's done very well there. So, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's right up the hill on on, uh, on Science Hill. You can't from miss where, it. where we tape. Yes, from the New Haven Register Building. Yes, yeah, and literally uh, now I could walk there if I wanted to. It's a nice facility. They've done a really nice job at Alberta's, really boosting their sports programs over the last twenty years. Interesting. Really I, nice I know how much you love UConn from your days at Syracuse, Sean. <laughs> but point being is, you got Jim Calhoun coming in the building, and I know that. That was a big deal last year because it's Jim Calhoun. But 
You know, it was Mitch Oliver who won that game. And so I think there's going to be a lot of interest in that game. I mean, yeah. from, a, from a state level, you know Jim wants to win it. You know damn well Mitch wants to win the two competitors. Having known and covered both men, and, and as you have, it, it's that's going nice to be very little, interesting. Yeah, it's become a nice little showdown uh, yeah. since, since Coach Calhoun got there. I mean, even Coach Calhoun has uh, grabbed some guys around state. So, yes. And he's done a really nice job there. He, he just hit another milestone. I mean, how many wins is this? 900, was it 900? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Whatever it was. It, it's... Uh, so, yeah, that, that's uh, you listen, to, you can't go wrong going to see an Alberta's Magnus uh, basketball game or any of the uh, – of the Division Three programs in our state, and uh, you know, really great insight there from uh, from Mitch. We really appreciate him coming on, and uh, yeah, good interview. I like that. That was fun. So before we uh, wrap up, let's t- quickly take a look at some of the games uh, we should be looking at uh, this week, Joe. Yep. Uh, yeah, really intriguing one Tuesday night. Hill House at Xavier. You know, like I, we said before, Xavier really kind of underneath the radar a little bit at seven one. Uh, and you know, a big big moment for them. Playing Hill House on their home court, interesting game. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's always tough when it goes up there. I mean, I, excuse me, when Kermit Carolina was the coach, they had some battles up there. You know, um, some, you know, it's a, it's also a different board referees. I oh, mean, they, yeah. they have the. I mean, that's part of this too, and nothing. Yeah, don't I make mean, any mistakes, it's, it's guys. The Harf, it's the Middlesex board versus the New Haven County board, and it's tough to play up there. I mean, I've seen Xavier win. I've seen Jackson Benigni and all those guys in and Knox when he was playing football. And then they had some great teams and great Chauncey Hardy over through the years. And obviously who else we, we, we know about all those, uh, their players. But, again, uh, you know, Hill House has had recent success up there, but it's not going to be an easy game. And, again, if Xavier wants to be a player in the SEC with the top three dogs, you got to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we mentioned Immaculate before. Um, they, they play host to uh, – you know, they head to Massac. On Tuesday, same same type of game. So uh, the Amasic has kind of after that great start, beating Bassic at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. So on, they've had a couple. They had a big loss to I believe New Milford, and then they lost last week the game. So again, everything runs through Danbury. And regardless of what they lose, everything runs until you prove you can beat them. And Benel beat them last year at the buzzer. We know about the the, the Mad Max three point shot. But to me, it's still immaculate is the team to beat in that league, and this is Massic's chance. And then, obviously, we, I wanted to highlight a game in the NCCC. Uh, one of our, our, our leader, fearless leaders, Sean Barker, went up there last year for the NCCC final and it's it, it, at Granby, and, and I believe they beat Ellington. And uh, and Canton and Ellington are two teams trying to rise up and beat the big dog in Granby. Um, and Granby had – it would have been a battle of unbeatens tonight, but unfortunately, Granby at home, is still, as I said, the top dog, and they well, beat Ellington. Fortunately for everybody with Granby. Yeah, so, but Canyon and Ellington are two teams in the NCCC trying to rise up and beat Granby, who was, which was a Division Four state finalist last year, losing to New Canaan. Um, which, well, we don't need we we don't we don't need to revisit that. But again, this is a chance for gaming in Triple C. The people out there, they support their basketball, and it should be fun. And obviously, we mentioned uh, in the opening of uh, New Canaan and, and Lolo. There are some other games, but nothing. Next week's the big, big stretch right. of games I'm we're going to talk about in next week's show. Really, yeah, a massive, a couple of massive games. It tips off with New Canaan at Lolo, fascinating FCAC game there, uh, Monday at 7. And then you also have Prince Tech at Capital Prep on Monday at yep. 7 o'clock. So. Uh, should be uh, interesting there. Uh, Prince Tech, you can't miss them on social media. They're all over the place telling you all about their kids, talking about social media. So, uh, Yeah, because so, Al Stewart, we get, what's he going to decide to do? That's the, the interesting uh, thing. Very, gonna... very fascinating. I'd love to see. I like, I'm going to eventually try and get a get a chance to see those guys. I'm sure you will, too. Yep. Have you seen them yet? No? I have not. Yeah. I have not had a chance to see Prince Tech so yet. I know, that they're I know they come to cross on the 10th of February, I think. If, if, if worse comes to worse, so yeah, should be. Uh, should but be. yeah, at least the, the good thing about Prince Tech, they go out and play. They had the team. They they go out and play. They That's go. They've been do. playing people. You got to do that. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, because you're in a league like that, you're, you're not going to get any better. No offense. I mean, they're, 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 they've dominated league for years, so they had to go out and get other teams. Once the Constitution State Conference broke up, and no Bassett and no Harding, uh, yeah, you gotta go out. A, it took a drop. It took a drop in in yeah. its prowess. I mean, tech schools are always kind of, you know, struggling to keep up with the rest of the state. Uh, you don't get that type of guys there. But, uh, you know, hey, listen, the, the, so far so good with them. I'm really anxious to see. I hear nothing but great things. 
Uh, so that should be interesting. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. Uh, we appreciate uh, – what's his name again? <laughs> Mitch. <clears throat> we ap- we appreciate Mitch Oliver for coming on. Yeah, thank you. He was, he was he did a great job. He you know he was in sell the program, but he wanted I wanted him to talk about the landscape. Yeah. And I think that was the important thing. I think it's a good idea to get it. Yeah, everyone kind of like you know make sure they explore all options and don't dismiss any of these teams that they they want to give you a shot and and just be realistic with yourself. Be realistic just because you're scoring thirty you know twenty thirty points a game, um, you know doesn't mean you're quite Division One caliber, but. Yeah, there's always a spot for somebody out there if you want it, you have the desire you want and you want to play uh, there's always a spot out there from somebody and you can't think of a better option than uh, being staying local and being with uh, being with Mitch over there at Alberta so we thank him for coming on Joe anything else no uh, our condolences again to to, to the family of, of Frank Bineski his wife passing away Sheila uh, dying last Friday night um, Again, you can read about uh, Sheila and what she's meant to the state and, and to basketball itself and the services on GameTimeCT.com. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who attend. And uh, it's too bad she's gone, but uh, she'll be remembered greatly by a lot Absolutely. of us. Yeah, so. we'll see. Well, make sure if, well, when we see Frank out there, make sure you give Frank a big hug. He, he could use it. Yes. Um, all right. Well, so for Joe Morelli, I am Sean Patrick Bowley. This has been Courtside on GameTimeCT.com.